welcome to the Color and Chaos podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah Fair, and I'm coming to you from Macomb, Michigan. It's an honor that you are here for episode 105. Can't believe we made it this far, but we are here. So whether you are jumping in through Apple Podcasts, through Google Podcasts, through iHeart, Spotify, or YouTube, no matter how you are watching or listening to this podcast, the fact that you are here, I'm a firm believer that the Lord would use this in a mighty way within your life. No matter if you're having the best of times or the worst of times, or if today finds you in the spectrum between. We as humans, and I know especially me, I've observed this pattern within me that whenever things are difficult, I want to do nothing else but run away from the difficulty. There's not anything within me that wants to embrace that difficulty on my own. And and all of us, we, we have this tendency to fly away, to run away from that which causes us pain. It makes sense. We want to survive. But at the end of the day, I know when I look back, it's the things that cause pain. It's the things that cause challenge or difficulty or uncomfortability and even the moments of unknown. Those are the moments where I grew the most as a person as a friend, as a as a, a coworker, all the above, I've grown the most in the moments of difficulty. In the moments of chaos, I can see that not only have I grown personally, but I've also grown in my dependency and my relationship with my creator, savior, sustainer. There's a color that could be found in the chaos when instead of us leaning into our own strength, our own wisdom, our own ability, we lean into the only one that could produce a color out of the chaos, the only one that overcame death, and that's Jesus. So again, whether this is all new to you, whether you have a relationship with Jesus or you don't, you are welcome here, and I encourage you to stay around for a while because what we're talking about is stuff that we all can relate to, and at the end of the day, all we are longing for is for genuine conversation about the things that matter the most. So here, let's pray together. Lord God, just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I pray right now for those that do not yet know you, that maybe are struggling, they're wrestling with a lot of different um, ideologies or theologies about who you are and who you are not. Lord, at the end of the day, I know that my heart is deceitful above all things. Lord, your word says that. So at the end of the day, Lord, we do not have a creator that is just trying to play peekaboo with us. But Lord, you desire to know all of us And you desire for us to have a relationship with you, a reconciled relationship that can only be found through the forgiveness of our sins, which we cannot do on our own, but through Jesus. So let your word do the heavy lifting within our hearts. Lord, your word is the only thing that can produce a color out of this chaos. So Lord, help your word be planted deep within our hearts so that we can respond to you today. And it's in your name we pray and we surrender, Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you've ever observed this, but there's this moment in the morning where it's no longer the darkness of of night surrounding everything and it's hard to see. But it's that moment where dawn starts to break up over the horizon. You start to see the little faint color of morning and of light breaking through the horizon. And you're starting to see a little bit of more light start to illuminate the darkness of night. You start to see that, okay, no longer is it the complete darkness of light, but now they're starting to make way a little bit more for the light. Recently, I woke up and I looked out in my back, you know, window porch, and I noticed that there was the little line of light on the horizon. And I noticed that the light of morning was breaking through the darkness of night. 
and I was noticing that the faint colors that I can barely kind of see about 30 minutes ago through the, you know, the street lamps and through the little lights that were there present in the, in the night, I started to see that those faint colors were giving way. And all of a sudden, the colors that were there that I couldn't see started to become more announced. And I was able to actually see. Back in 2010, I remember that there was this album that came out. And the name of the album has always kind of stuck with me. The name of the band is Edge of Dawn. And the name of the album is their second album came out around May 2010. But the name of the album is Anything That Gets You Through the Night. Anything That Gets You Through the Night. And it's always stuck with me because the, 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 the whole cover of the album is a man in a room and you only see the back of the man and you also see a woman there in the room and it's kind of an eerie looking room and the woman appears as if she's about to take off her clothes. And so it gives off this impression that this man, um, either this is a prostitute or an escort or whatever it is, that this man is about to give into the sexual act in order to, you know, make it through the night. It just kind of solidifies this whole idea that, you know, life is messy and sometimes there is these extreme things that we go through that kind of gives us this whole idea or this belief system that, okay, this is justified because I'm going through this. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you were going through something and you're like, oh man, if only somebody knew the pain that I was going through and how this behavior is justified, whatever it is. Each and every one of us has had those moments where we were going through some type of chaos, some type of unknown, and we find ourselves doing things or believing things that we never would have thought that we would be doing or never would have thought that we would be believing. And as I was thinking about that whole, you know, title, anything that gets you through the night, I was trying to do some research to figure out, okay, was that a quote? You know, did that come from somewhere? You know, the, the band is, is, uh, is a German band. <laughs> so I was trying to kind of get the inspiration and I, I, I found this interview and the question that was asked was, what was your main topic of this album? And the person responds with this. He says this, the album title is a quote from Frank Sinatra. So there you go. I, I find that, okay, it's a quote from Frank Sinatra. So I go and I find this quote and the quote that influenced the whole idea of anything that gets you through the night is a quote and it says this, Basically, I'm for anything that gets you through the night, be it prayer, tranquilizers, or a bottle of Jack Daniels, Frank Sinatra. And he goes on to say this, the idea being that there are situations where everything is permitted as long as it serves the purpose. Anyone who has spent a night without sleep suffering from fear will know that this feeling can be similarly intense as real life-threatening danger. To me, this quote was therefore always about more than just getting through a single night alive. The artwork picks up on this supernatural aspect by depicting lyrics framed by selected biblical quotations. Increasingly, the songs on the album were all pointing towards a single issue, dealing with the questions of what is right or wrong, which everyone will eventually have to discuss over the course of his or her life. Whether or not you can justify something to happen is influenced by a plethora of daily considerations. The more people are affected by your actions, the more finding an answer to this question is turned into one of personal morals. That, to me, is the key topic of this album. 
as we go through life, we find ourselves in chaoses where the color of life, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, the fulfillment of life starts to kind of look like it is in the weird early morning where it's just like all of the color is just faint. It's hard to see. It's hard to kind of make out what your eyes is seeing. And everything just kind of seems like it's just kind of a haze. And this, this affects us all, whether or not you're a follower of Christ or not. Even as followers of Christ, I know I find myself in moments and seasons, whether it be, you know, even the whole season of fall and winter where it's really hard to kind of even see any sunlight. But I find myself in these moments and seasons where it's just not as easy to see what I once was able to see with ease. And I'm reminded as I'm thinking about this whole topic of this passage in Acts chapter 3. And I felt led to read this passage with you. So as we read this, I'm just going to encourage you to follow along, read along, hear along, uh, you know, watch along, I guess. Um, But I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 3. Jesus died and the disciples were terrified because they were like, I thought this was our Messiah. I thought this was our Savior. I thought this was, you know, the, the, the person that was promised in the Old Testament that would take away, you know, all of that oppression and all of that weight from all of the neighboring countries. And we thought this was him, but he's dead now and, and we don't have any hope. It's almost like the dawn of Jesus walking with them gave way to night, and they find themselves in pitch darkness. Jesus, all along, even in the Old Testament, he wasn't just to to live and to deliver them from the physical chaoses or the physical you know difficulties around them, but that the Messiah, the promised Savior of Israel, was to first deliver them from their slavery to sin and rebellion towards God. He was an atonement. He was a sacrifice for our sake in order for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus paid the price for our sin. And so there is justice that was made. And now we don't have to have the the whole weight of that judgment and the whole weight of that justice, but it was placed upon Jesus. So the disciples did not fully understand that. And when Jesus rose again from the dead and revealed himself to the disciples and to so many other people there in Israel, all of a sudden the disciples understand literally like literally, oh my God, Lord, you overcame death. The wages of sin is death. You overcame death. And then Jesus told the disciples, hey, look, wait here until you receive the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose me from the dead. I'm going to give to you now in order for you to have the boldness and the strength and the just the 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 fortitude to be who I've created you to be. So Jesus gave the disciples his spirit in order for them to live the life that they were called to live from the very beginning, but that their sin prevented them from being able to experience. So Acts chapter 2, you find Peter preach his very first sermon. You also see thousands of people come to repentance and come to know Jesus as Lord, and they receive the Holy Spirit as well. And you see the early church start, and Acts chapter 3 picks up right after that. So this is what Acts chapter 3 says. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put besides the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he can beg from the other people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. 
And Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus the Nazarene, get up and walk. Verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up to his feet and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. Here's a man who lived in the complete darkness of night. He constantly was carried to the temple, holding on to a little bit of hope that God could deliver him from the illness that he was suffering under. He wasn't able to do anything on his own, but the only thing he was able to do was to beg. And here he is, day after day, begging people for some type of financial you know, restitution in order for him to be able to survive. So he finds himself in the night. He finds himself through those moments of chaos and difficulty, not just a moment of chaos and difficulty. This was his life. He was living in chaos and difficulty. All of a sudden, you find John and Peter look upon this man and the name of Jesus cast out whatever illness it was that he was having. And he says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Peter not only just says lip service, but he goes over there and he helps the man up. The man is so excited that he goes just full on praising God, jumping up and down, being so excited. This man went from darkness, from night to the dawn to the morning. He experienced all of that transition from darkness to light. And you see that he runs to the temple. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they have seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This man experienced the light of mourning, the light of life that he was clinging onto the men who delivered him from the night of darkness and chaos and illness and just oppression. This man experienced life from once upon a time being dead, and he's clinging on to them. Verse 12, it says this, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising all about this? And why stare at us, though we had made this man walk by our own power and godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who had brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this fact. Verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Verse 17, friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer all these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. This word refreshment points toward the idea of a respite, of having a short rest. 
Peter is not saying that when we have repentance and we bring ourselves and we have this reconciled relationship with our God, he's not saying that we won't have pain. Far from it. He's saying that there will be a short rest. There will be breathing. There will be relief in this life that we have. We will still have pain, but there will be respite. There will be relief. There will be refreshment because at the end of the day, we're no longer finding our rest. We're no longer finding our peace. We're no longer finding our joy or happiness. All of our longings, we're not finding that in the things of this world. So at the end of the day, this world can throw all of it has at us. The world can takes away all of the things that we have, but we still find that rest. Why? Because when we are in the presence of the Lord, there is refreshment. We are not finding our refreshment in the temporary things or the things that will fail us. We are finding our rest in the resurrected Savior, and the author of life, and that is Jesus. And when we repent of our sins, when we come to God and we come clean about the things and the ways that we have grieved him, and we look to his son, we see what he has done on the cross, we pledge our lives and our devotions to following that resurrected Savior through having a submission and obedience to his word and, and loving those around us as Christ has loved us and forgiven those around us as Christ has forgiven us and seeking after Christ through having a heart no longer slave to our emotions that are deceitful above all else, as the Bible says, but being led by the spirit of God within us that is in agreement with his word. As we do that, we find the refreshment that we long for there will be pain, heavy heart. There will be pain. And there will be temptations that call out to us, promising to help us get through those nights and those, those hardships and those difficulties and those chaoses. But at the end of the day, we can look to God knowing that, Lord, I once upon a time used to follow those things that promised them it get me through the night. I follow those in ignorance, but I know, Lord, you are the only one, not only to lead me through the night and the suffering and the pain that I am feeling now, you are the only one to lead me from the death of this life and the decay of this life. You are the only one to lead me from the death and decay and the suffering of this life to a life that is fulfilled with you in eternity. Lord, you don't only get me through the night, you get me through my life. Lord, I am so dependent on you. Lord, you are the only one that can give me a light. Peter is addressing this crowd. He's saying, once upon a time, you did whatever it took to get you through the darkness of night. You did whatever it could in order to help ease that, that weight that you had upon you of just this life and the burdens that this life brings. Through the chaoses of all this life, you did whatever you thought was wise in your own eyes that you thought was best. And a part of that ignorance, you did things that right now you may be realizing that, oh my goodness, I wish I never did that. Your eyes are starting to be awakened by the morning light and you're starting to realize what I once thought was okay, as long as it served the purpose of getting me through this life, getting me through the pain, getting me through the trials, getting me through all the difficulty, getting me through the unknown, what I once thought was okay and justified because it served the purpose of getting me through the night. I'm now starting to see that, no, I acted in ignorance. I felt like that was the best thing to do in the moment, but now I'm waking up sober-minded and starting to have those regrets, starting to have those feelings of like, oh my goodness, I squandered so much and I forfeited so much for the whole promise of getting me through the night, but it did not fulfill what it promised. It may have got me through the night, but I'm finding myself stuck 
and I'm finding myself that I am starting to not be able to see the hope, to see the joy, to see the purpose, to see, you know, the, 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 the brightness of mourning that this life can have. I'm thinking about that whole idea of anything that gets you through the night. And once upon a time, I lived my life with that whole mindset of, okay, as long as X, Y, and Z helps me make it through these hard situations, then it's justified. But in reality, I can look back on that and say, no, that was ignorant. That those, those things that I did for my whole purpose of being able just to be, you know, to feel okay through those pains, I was just coping with that pain that I was feeling, but in, in turn, I was harming myself. I was killing myself. I was causing pain not only to myself and to others, but to my God. And even if I wasn't causing pain to others, I was causing pain to my God. My eyes have been opened to the reality that Jesus is life. He's the author of life. And so anything that I do to get me through the night that is not pleasing to him, I'm spitting in the face of the author who gave it all for me to be able to experience life and joy and peace. And not only did I once act like that, but even as a follower of Christ, I find myself living in that deception of saying, okay, well, this or that is justified. Lying here is justified because you don't know what I've been through. Does any of this sound familiar? You know, overusing this pill or overusing this substance is justified because you don't know what I've been through. Saying this harsh word is justified because you don't know the pain that I'm feeling. You get the picture. Each and every one of us, we can identify different people or things that we once placed our, our, our confidence and we placed our peace and we placed our joy and we placed our identity upon that left us high and dry. At the end of the day, this world does not have anything that can hold the weight of our souls, the weight of our sins, the weight of our guilt, the weight of our desires, of our longings. We are all born into this world with a hostility towards our God, but we also, the Bible says, we are all born with eternity on our heart. So the reason why we fail to come to Jesus is because of the hostility that we have towards our creator. And until that hostility is dealt with, we will never turn to our creator, but instead we will turn to other functional saviors, things that we can control in order to, you know, they promise to fulfill us. They promise to, to give us that, that, that relief, that refreshing that we desire. But at the end of the day, they can't. But then we also have eternity written on our hearts. So what that means is that we long for a love that will last. We long for a joy. We long for an identity. We long for all of the things that each and every one of us as humans, no matter who you are, no matter where you're born, no matter what you've been through, we all long for these different things. We long for that respect. We long for that, that companionship. We long for love. We long for peace. We long for fulfillment. We long for all these things. We long for eternity. Yet we have that hostility towards God. The beautiful thing is, is that Jesus deals with that hostility towards God. And so all we have to do in order to fulfill that longing that we have, that eternity is written on our heart, we, all we have to do is give way to the author of life, the author of sunlight, Jesus. And through you, Jesus, I'm able to have a reconciled relationship. That when God looks at me, he sees you. He sees himself. He doesn't see my sin anymore. Heavy heart, what are those things? What are those things that promise to get you through the night? 
May we respond through a heart of repentance, knowing that there's nothing we could do to earn God's love. But at the end of the day, in order for us to experience the love of God, we have to surrender to his son, Jesus. And maybe right now you, you already have a relationship with Jesus, but you know there's different things that you've done to grieve the spirit of God that is placed within you. Whatever that is, may we have that moment, just like that whole pivot moment of the, of the morning and the dawn coming over the horizon. May we have a moment where we say, you know what, Lord, I know you already know. And I'm not going to go through this facade, this, this, this fakeness, this shallowness anymore. God, I'm being honest about where I'm at. And I'm bringing it to you, Lord, because I know that you are the author of life. And that you are the only one that could give me the refreshment that my soul longs for. Heavy heart, you are not alone. At the end of the day, this weight that you fill was not meant to be in your hands. It was meant to be at the foot of the cross. May we respond through a heart of repentance. Me included. I am not I am not above you in any way speaking to you right now. I am not. I have to surrender those things within me that prevent me from experiencing that fullness of that intimacy with my God. And each and every day, there has to be a funeral service that goes on within my heart, within our hearts, in order for us to say, okay, God, I am here and I am looking to you for that refreshment that only you can bring through surrender to your son and through submission to your word. Heavy heart, let's pray. We have a God that loves us so very much. You are not alone and he cares so very much. May we not give in to the lies that offer us to get us through the night, but may we give way to the morning and the light that illuminates even the most darkest crevice on this planet and within our hearts. Let us pray. Lord God, just thank you so much for who you are. At the end of the day, Lord, thank you so much that you are the God of miracles, that Lord, you, you delivered this lame man who, who was just so just oppressed by his illness. Lord, you freed him. And Lord, at the end of the day, the biggest miracle is that you free our hearts from the bondage of sin and death. So Lord, my heart goes out to those right now that are listening or watching this and they're waiting upon a miracle right now. Maybe there's an illness that they were going through or maybe there's something going on in their life. There's a relationship that that they're just praying and begging you to be reconciled. Lord, at the end of the day, we bring all of these things to you. Lord, and we don't understand your ways. We don't understand why sometimes you say yes or no or wait. We don't understand that. But what we can wrap our heads around is what we read today is that, Lord, that you are the author of life. And when we repent to you, you offer us a refreshment through having a new life and a life that is centered not on the things of this world that are temporary and that will fail us, but in, in the kingdom of heaven that is wrapped around and centered upon one thing only, and that is you, the resurrected Savior, Jesus. Lord, you overcame the grave. You overcame our mistakes. You overcame all of that hostility in order for us to no longer have to be weighed down by that. So Lord, help us respond to you today. Lord, thank you that we don't have to be slaves to the things that offer to get us through the night. But Lord, that even the, 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 the colors that are just faint, when they are brought to you, Lord, you will produce just the most bright and vibrant color. Lord, thank you that you produce a color out of this chaos. When we look to you, when we focus on you and you alone. 
So Lord, show the, the areas within our hearts, within our lives that we have been compromising. Lead us to a, through a genuine repentance. And God, help us rest in the refreshment knowing that your love does not fade, your forgiveness is eternal, and that you are faithful to us and you are faithful to make us and help us get through each and every night that this life may bring. Jesus, thank you that you are the light that we are longing for and that darkness will not and does not have the final word. Jesus, it's upon your name that we pray and we surrender, and we know that it's only upon your name that there can be that newness of life and that refreshing that we long for. Jesus, it's upon your name that we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. Heavy heart, you are not alone. Thank you so much for taking your time to be a part of this podcast today. If this has blessed you, feel free to share this with others. May this not just be a one-person lecture or sermon, but may this be a dialogue. And may you continue this conversation with those around you, those around you that the Lord has allowed you to be around. May your life, may your life be a song pointing towards the reality that we have been forgiven, that we can have reconciliation, that we can have a life and a freedom that comes through Christ. I look forward to talking to you next week. I'll see you later. God bless you.